0: I'm good at walking in the dark. Hmm. If I wake up in the middle of the night with the thirst that I know needs to be quenched before the rising of the sun the next day, I can get out of bed, find my way to the kitchen, locate the cabinet where we keep our cups and glasses, find the knob. It back in the sink and find my way back to bed all without turning on a light. I'm good at walking in the dark. I know how to hide things that I don't want anyone else to know. Since I have grown to love, the mistakes I have made, the secrets I pray can remain locked in the storehouse of my mind, and the longings that are so powerful that they sometimes make my heart skip a beat. I know how to walk in the dark. What about you? How well do you know the dark? How proficient are you at maneuvering in? dark. We're told in our passage today that Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark. He comes to Jesus at night. It is a curious feature of the text that has made me wondering most of this week why. Why did Nicodemus feel that he needed to approach Jesus in the night instead of coming to Jesus during the day? Was Nicodemus concerned about his reputation? Imagining how people might question his authority as a Pharisee, and not only as a Pharisee, but as a member the highest governing body of the Jewish people, that people might question him if they saw him going to approach a different teacher during the day. Did Nicodemus choose to arrive at a time when he could have an audience of just one with Jesus? No one else around to hear their conversation. It's a possibility that one person's study Bible suggested earlier this week by asking, are there questions about God that you feel like you cannot ask in public? And what are they? Or did Nicodemus understand how new life always begins in the dark? whether it is a seed that is planted in the ground or a baby in the womb of a woman, did he come to Jesus with a longing to have the fullness of his life brought out of the dark and into the light in a way that might change and transform him forever? And I wonder how many of us arrive here with a similar longing. We may have walked into the room as a matter of routine or as a matter of curiosity. It's Sunday, and so we go to the sanctuary where we tiptoe into this place wondering if there is more that can be found. And I also wonder if we, too, are really trying to experience a light in our darkness, a light that illuminates the past from judgment to amazing grace, from self-imposed condemnation to radical love, from heavy shame to a powerful restart. Well, we may not be ready to admit it, at least in this tradition, I wonder how many of us are longing to be born again. Born. Again, if only the two words weren't packed with so many negative nuances, associations with street corner preachers who beckon us to turn or burn. We hear born again, and we wonder why Christians are prone to place so much emphasis on one be born again without caring for those who have already been born, particularly the most vulnerable around us. And I also know how John 3.16 has been used to empty shelves of t-shirts while filling the gates of heaven recall, and others of us will know I'm 18 myself, when I shared the story of how Tim Tebow wrote John 316 in black ink underneath his eyes, the black patches underneath his eyes in the 2009 National Championship game between Florida and Oklahoma. The words John 316 led to a reported 94 million people Googling John to have been a fairly conservative evangelical Christian audience where he told the story of what happened three years later when he was then playing for the Denver Broncos and it was a playoff game and he also continued to write John 316 underneath his eyes and I'm still scratching my head to so he continued to describe how during that playoff game Tebow threw 300 in a game in which the yards per rush were 3.16, the yards for completion were 31.6, and the ratings for the night were 31.6. There are statistics that Tiva referred to as a mirror. Now, Jane, I have a timer time or two that Duke would beat Carolina in college basketball. <laughs> But I'm also convinced that God has far more important things to do than to help my team win. Or to orchestrate statistics that correlate with a beloved verse of Scripture. And still it is a compelling example of how we have used this verse to persuade Believing in Jesus only to gain entrance into eternal life without doing anything to bring about God's kingdom on this earth. And let me also assure you that while I am forever grateful for the promise and gift of eternal life, I cannot imagine providing comfort to a grieving family gathered to remember a loved one without being able to proclaim how Christ lived, died, and rose again, so we might have eternal life. But I'm also convinced that we fail to understand what it means to be born again, or the magnitude of God's love for all of us, if we do not read this verse as well as what it means to be born again in this entire passage, of which... These verses and words are part. Anxiety has just beautifully demonstrated or taught us the wind blows where it chooses. It's what Jesus tells Nicodemus. Statement that we know to be true if you were outside at all yesterday in or around the city of Washington. My husband Craig and I both remarked last night how our cheeks felt a little bit burnt just from being outside for a short time. It was impossible to not feel and hear yesterday's winds blowing. just as our being born from a womb into the world is a gift whose timing we cannot influence, so our emerging from the darkness into the light of rebirth is also a gift, a mysterious gift that we do not always choose, one we rarely deserve and one that we cannot manufacture for ourselves emerge. From the darkness of a womb, they come out gasping. Gasping for wind to start filling their lungs until they can start breathing on their own. My colleague James Howe explains how the Hebrew word ruach and the Greek word pneuma both mean air and by extension spirit. It is always air and then the spirit when getting Whether we are born from a birth canal or being born from above. And I wonder how many of us are gasping for air right now. Gasping without realizing how there is a powerful force all around us to fill us anew. must be born from above. Jesus continues to tell Nicodemus, you must be born from above. Be born of both water and the spirit. When we read these words, we immediately put emphasis on us. Again, a decision, something that we must do. We must choose to more, of water and spirit. But I again turn to an intriguing observation that my friend makes when he points out how the Greek D isn't must as not you must do your homework or you must report for jury duty. But the must is more like you must come to my birthday party. Or you must Come with me to see friend in the hospital before he dies. It is a must that's filled with love. A deeply personal love that says, I don't want you to miss out on this gift. I don't want you to miss out on this kind of doesn't want us to miss out on the love he longs for us to embrace, the life he longs for us to live. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to remain in the dark, whether it's the dark of sin, the dark of regret, shame, lovelessness, or assumed condemnation yearns, yearns for us to experience a radical shift in our priorities, our focus, our habits. German theologian Rudolf Boltzmann explains how rebirth means something more than an improvement in a person. It means that a person receives a whole new origin. And this is manifestly something which person cannot give themselves. Our Wednesday morning small group had a beautiful conversation this week as we imagine what it might look like to receive a whole new origin. We imagine that it's like hitting the factory reset button on your computer. Or your iPhone. One person shared how Android uses the words "power wash." Another person stated how she always restarts her computer and cleans out the cache whenever it is starting to operate slower than usual. We can't restart. Its original origin. Whenever something isn't working as well as we want it to work, how many of us would also really love a new origin? A factory reset. Many of us want to live with a complete assurance that we are fully seen, deeply loved, and tenderly held by Jesus, who says to us, I don't want you to miss out on this. I don't want you to miss out on a life that is really life you must, you must experience it. They are the gifts that God longs for us to receive. Gifts that are at the heart of the season of Lent. Being called to return to God with the fullness of who we are with all that we have. To be born again start all over again, as individuals, as a congregation, as a people, what tempts you to remain in the dark? being led into the light. Who or what is forcing you to gasp God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn us. To first and foremost point out our blemishes, our breakdowns, our sin, our shortcomings. God sent Jesus because God so loved the world, He continues to love the world. All of creation. I know how I walk in the dark. light that is most visible in the dark. And how I long for this light to continue to be irresistible. Until I keep on gravitating toward it. Imagine Jesus saying to you, I love you. I really love you. And I don't want you to miss out on this.